Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. G'day and welcome to the next one in our series of The Gospel Lens. And we've been working through the book of Ephesians and looking exactly what Paul has been saying about how we live our life in the shadow of the cross, moving on from the fact that we have our redemption taken care of with Christ. What does it look like for the Spirit to work through us? And how does that change the way we see our life? And we're picking it up in Ephesians 4, verse 17. So let's get right into the scripture and let the the Bible talk for itself. He says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I tell you, you read a scripture like that and uh, we have a term for the Bible we we call the canon, but sometimes the Bible becomes a real canon. You've got to block your ears when the thing goes off. And this is a scripture that's like that. It's just such a clear clarion call to morality. And it's talking into the fact that the, the way that we live is not supposed to be like the way we used to live before, that gratified the flesh and, and lived according to its carnal desires. And we read a scripture like this and we, and we can see just how easy it is for us to slip as far as our society has slipped. And even the Christian world now is grappling with issues. We're trying to navigate through things that are based on um, issues that would have been, even 50 years ago, completely uh, abhorrent for us to be considering. Things about uh, sexuality and, and even politics and all the sorts of things that are filling the airwaves right now. We would never have gone there a while ago. And yet it's now become an issue where we, we're beginning to question, uh, is, is what, what does the Bible say about this? Does it really say all the sorts of things that we took for granted that it really says? And as we begin down this slippery slope, we need to work really hard at the way we read Scripture. We almost need to manipulate what they were saying so it allows for us to live in accordance with what our society now calls normal. And so Paul really pulls us up here and he begins that passage um, by saying, you know, I insist on this in the Lord. And it's incredibly strong language for Paul. It's, it's very rare for him to do it. He's, he commonly urges us, but he seldom insists or commands. But that's really what he's doing here. And you're almost, as a leader, you run out of language when it comes to a sense of urgency and a sense of what just wanting people to say, this thing that I'm talking about now, this is a non-negotiable. Don't let this slip. And he's saying this, this morality issue, this trying to navigate the old life instead of just putting it to death and living from the new. He said, we've got to really embrace this. Uh, and it's a big issue for us to be about. But in what way? So what he's saying is the problem here. In the passage we just read, he's talking about uh, futile thinking or ch- the way that we're thinking has a futility about it. And it's based in a hardness of heart. So he layers it out there and he said, there's something wrong with the heart. There's something wrong with the mind. And that's because futile thinking is derived from or uh, fueling from uh, an incorrectable heart. It's really saying that our spirit, our heart is saying, I I don't want to change the way I live. So now I need to manufacture thinking that agrees with what my hardened heart 
is doing. In my heart, I want to rebel. In my heart, I want to do what I want. In my heart, I want to do what the flesh in me, the old nature, the, 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 the part of me that is not spirit empowered. I want to do that. I want to fulfill that desire. And I harden my heart against what God would say. I harden my heart against the power of the spirit. And so to do that, I've got to wrap my hardened heart in futile thinking. And so when I begin to do that, um, my heart begins to get more and more calloused. If I commit myself to those ways of thinking, it becomes more and more easy to do that. And it's almost like a hardening of the surface of our heart happens there. So what we used to grapple with now begins to become habitual. So the thing that we used to try and manage before and say, this can't be a part of my life, I need the spirit to come. Now we give ourselves over to it in some sense, in, through the way we think and then therefore the way we act. And it becomes a bit of a habit in our life. And once we are about a habit for long enough, we really have a sense that we adopt that it's permanent. This is the way I am. This is, this is what I do. Well, I have no choice in this. So that the habitual practice becomes a permanent practice. And then we go on from that point, and if it becomes permanent, we begin to say, well, this actually is my identity. This is who I am. And if it's who I am, then God must have made me this way, and therefore I, I don't have the responsibility now, not only to grapple with it, but, it, but to put it to death. And so that which was once abhorrent and unthinkable now becomes something we protect and put our hand up and say, this is a no-go zone. You can't ask me to deal with this sort of thing, whatever the issue may be. And so... Uh, Paul can, says this whole way of thinking, this construct is really futile thinking. Uh, and we start to hear the words that come from this futile thinking. Things like, look, everyone else does this. Everyone else seems committed to it. Resistance is futile. And so God must have made me this way. And so this is the, the rationale that comes from a hardened heart developing into futile thinking. Um, so he goes on. and Let's have a look at what he says. He says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality. So to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. And so often this normalizing of sin comes from a process. And you'll see the process played out, particularly in the media. You'll see a lobby group that's pushing for a certain lifestyle or whatever, and they'll, they'll push way beyond what they even know society will accept. And what happens is we, we do, we, we respond to that and say, no, that's unthinkable. But a step back or two, we can possibly negotiate that. And so you, you begin to see this, this cycle of uh, lobbying for in our society, that which is fueled by these, this hardening of heart, pushes its agenda, allows a step back, and then just keeps pushing further, allowing itself to come back. But as it's going three steps forward and coming two back, it's making inevitable progress. And this is what begins to happen in our society. And you read what Paul's saying here, you swear he lives in 2020, but, and we think this is all new, but this has been going on for millennia. It always has. And society swings and goes through cycles with this sort of, this sort of thing. But at the moment where we're being controlled more than we ever have by the, by the radical noise of the airwaves, where the radical left and radical right are at each other, at war over all sorts of topics. And those of us who are in the middle are just exhausted from that. And we just want common sense to prevail. We want to hear what God's saying. We want to live from the spirit and find some rest in that. And so Paul is saying that's the way we really should be and not buffeted around all the time by this stuff having sway over our heart. And so Paul comes back to a fundamental part then of this gospel lens that we're about. He's saying really this whole issue of sin and, and how far can we go with this? He's saying that is not the issue. And he brings back the urgency and says, you're not supposed to manage sin. You're not supposed to see how far I can go with it before it's wrong. You're just supposed to kill it. That old nature, that's not supposed to be governing who you are. Your new nature is. The nature that's controlled by the Spirit. 
It's a, it's a clarion call that says that the, the flesh and the desires from the flesh are not supposed to control what we do and who we are. It's the impulse and the empowering of the spirit that is supposed to do that. And so our flesh, our flesh still has the same drives that it always had pre-salvation and so on. Um, we can either choose to gratify that or we can gratify the desires of the spirit. So let's come back to the scripture and see uh, what Paul highlights in the realm of all this thinking, because we'd probably have our own little list of things we think, yeah, that's too radical or that's the big issue or so on. But let's see what Paul dresses. In verse 25, he says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin and don't let the sun go down while you are still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. It's interesting here how the thing that he really pushes through as a, as a highlighted issue and an issue that really propagates the work of the evil one amongst us is this highlighted issue of relationships. We would think he's, he's going to talk predominantly about sexuality or morality or something else, but he, he talks about our relationships, how we're getting on. And he says, if, you, if you're going to be fractured with each other, you're giving the devil a foothold because he loves to put his foot in those fractures and it gives him a foot up to have more influence in our life. And so he's saying that, you know, if you, if you fight against someone else who's in the body of Christ, you're fighting against yourself. It's called cutting your nose off to spite your face. We think um, we're justified and we're hurting someone else, but we're actually hurting the whole body and we are part of that body. Confucius once said, if you seek revenge, you should really dig two graves. And that's what this is about. We, we seek to defend and revenge and do all that kind of stuff, but really it's us who pays the ultimate price. And we all know this verse from Paul that we've been talking about, the foothold that it gives to the enemy. And, but I think we'd all be horrified if we really realized that this stuff that we do with each other is actually fueling the work of our enemy, the one who hates us, the one who wants to steal, kill and destroy. We're partnering with him in this very thing. And we just think we're trying to defend ourselves or stick up for ourselves or whatever. So how and how does he do that? How does the evil one get a foothold? And so what if he does? This, this may be the next level of conversation that people are having in their minds. So how does he do it? The devil's primary tool, his primary goal is disconnection. What he wants to do is disconnect you from God and you and I from each other. That's what he wants to do. It's as simple as that. He'll find any way to do that. Primarily, he wants to get between uh, humanity and God. Been very successful at that. He did that in Genesis 3. We saw with the fall of humanity. But if, even if a believer comes to Christ and he thinks, well, I, I lost that deal, what he will do then is find a way to disconnect you from God through busyness, through distraction, through uh, a sense of futility at trying to fight the old nature. And you begin to say, well, why would I even engage with God anymore? He'll do whatever it takes, convince with whatever lie he can, deceive and tempt and break up relationships in an attempt to break you away from God and his people from each other. So he has many tools for that. There's temptation. There is deceit. That's another key one. He'll, he'll have lies come in and, and we'll be tempted to believe that which is not true because it agrees with what our hurt natures are saying. But his final one is offense. And this is what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, don't let the sun go down uh, on your anger because that's giving the devil a foothold. And so this offense thing, and there's been books written on this, how offense is literally the bait of Satan. It's taking his bait and saying, now, you know, I've got a foothold in your life. And what happens is our emotions uh, get triggered. Something happens, someone says something, they let us down or so on, and we feel devalued, we feel disappointment, and so we feel obliged then to get some form of spiritual or emotional payback, even if it's just to make us feel better. For us to come back up, we want to bring someone else down. And what's happening there is that we've relied on someone else other than God to meet the needs of our heart. 
And the pain that we feel, rather than going to God about that, we go to other people and we begin to try and level this thing up with the scales of our own justice and, and just find balance in there in our own heart. But it just never works. Retribution, uh, all those sorts of things, it just all it does is kill our own soul. And we begin to see then the fruit of this foothold because when we come into alignment with the evil one, he empowers that choice. He says, let's, let's go one step further with that. And so we start to bear fruit of this foothold that's in our life. We begin by misjudging people's motives. We see what people have said and we've done. We don't know what's going on inside their heart, but we take it upon ourselves to be the judge of that and we misjudge their motives. And we assign to their heart that which we've figured out what we think from what they've done or what they've said. And so then we go into the next level of slander. Slander causes separation. We begin to get demotivated for what God would have us to do. And we just find this whole cycle of tearing someone else or something else down because we feel teared down. It just atrophies ourselves, it atrophies our relationships, and ultimately it will atrophy our relationship with God. So Paul goes on, verse 29. He says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And he's talking about to each other predominantly, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. See how he brings a spiritual aspect in there again. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. What he's saying there is if you, if you want to stop grieving the Holy Spirit, you need to be about what the Holy Spirit's doing. Stop giving the other spirit, the evil one, a foothold and let the Holy Spirit get a foothold in your life. And he's saying to do that, you need to do the opposite of what you were doing before. Instead of pulling down, you're pulling up. You're, you're building people up. That's what he's saying. Look for the good in them, not the bad. Search for the gold. And, and bless the gold that, people, that God has in their life rather than looking for what they've done wrong. And so this is where we become a prophetic community in that sense. We, we're, we're almost speaking the blessing of God over people. We're looking for the good in them. We're looking for what's going right. And we say more of that, Lord, bless that. And it's bringing people to life. And to do anything but that is grieving the Holy Spirit in our life. And so we ask ourselves a question, what, what do we talk about when other people come up in conversation? This is a hard, bitter test we've all got to go through all day. And uh, so this, this forces us then, once we start the process, is to ask ourselves a question. Look, if I, if I want to promote the Holy Spirit in my life, how do I promote Him? How do I get the Spirit? How do I partner with Him? How do I invite Him into my life? Well, from what Paul's really saying here, it's very simple. You start by building other people up. You're being about what Jesus would about. You're, you're ceasing to grieve the Holy Spirit and you're inviting the Holy Spirit because this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to build people up, not tear people down. So in verse 22, we can conclude what, with what Paul said. He says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So putting on the new self is probably the greatest life shift that we need to navigate when it comes to uh, working out this salvation, to, to seeing life through the gospel lens. Because it, when you're a new believer, if you've come from darkness to light, and, you're, and it's a fairly recent thing, it almost seems like it's a bit easier for us in some ways, even though that's more perception than reality. But we are much more aware of the Holy Spirit. We're aware that our heart has had a significant shift. And so we, we can learn just from the momentum of that to cooperate with the Holy Spirit more fully. But if we've been a, a believer for a long time, maybe uh, raised in a Christian home, all we've ever known is this life with God in our living memory then sometimes we can get about ourselves just a momentum of life. And it's been a long time since we've sensed the difference that comes when new grace 
comes into our life. And God does offer new grace. He, there's an ever, an ever increasing and ever available flow of grace into our life. And so what we need to do is, is really invite that, to, to pray daily that we'd be full of the Holy Spirit, to invite him to come into every area and every moment, every situation of our life, to do things that, that cease to grieve him and, and begin to promote his activity in our life. And so we may find that hardening of heart, even though we're a fully committed believer in Jesus, it may be still the state that we've actually adopted because it's been so long since we've really addressed anything. And so we're unaware about how to have the Holy Spirit help. And this is a huge topic. It, it's, it's as simple as relying on God. That's, it's easy to say that. We lean into him and draw from his strength and walking in a way that cooperates with what he's doing. That's the big idea. But for us to do that in the West is... is um, requires quite a life shift. So we have a course called Reform that goes into this comprehensively. It's just about that. It's a six-week intensive that teaches uh, all of us how to repent and believe. So how to put off the old self, how to put on the new self with God's help. It's not a self-help thing. It's not talking about how we do something better with the strength we have. It's saying, I have no strength to do what's right. I need God's help to do that. So we, we run that periodically through the church. You can go to the uh, website. The link's on screen now, kenwood.church forward slash reform. You can look at a bit of the detail there. And uh, throughout the year, there'll be dates where we begin to go more and more deeply into that and offer that course. But what I would recommend is with this message, you go um, to the next uh, application content video that we have that helps you just discuss a few things around this. So you can ask these questions of yourself, but also ask them with people uh, in a group around you and, and just begin to workshop around. Okay, let's look at these things. How do I repent? How do I put off the old? How do I put on the new? But the first step for us today, given the scripture that we've read, is to really ask ourselves, is there someone in my life I need to forgive? Is there a relationship that's broken? Has the devil got a foothold in here somewhere? And do I need to flush my heart of that? Do I need to ask for forgiveness and ask for blessing upon their life? Maybe there's a soul bitterness that's there that needs to be washed away. And uh, so we just need to ask those questions of ourselves. And so I'll just close in prayer with this uh, message today and then just pray that God would speak to us about that. So let's come before God in prayer. Father, we just pray that you put before us, Lord, the faces we need to know uh, about if there's something we need to forgive, something we need to let go. And would you just give us the grace to do that? We commit ourselves to be not in judgment, but Lord, to give grace. And so help us to do that in your name. Amen. Amen. And uh, we look forward to seeing you with the application content. And if you're not into there, we'll see you online again next time. See you.